When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply or I feel guilty, or I should, and, you know, obligation kicks in, and, like, and I connect that back to the nervous system as well, because I think we both kind of connect to, like, this, like, idea of, like, high sensitivity. That's also something that I've explored in myself, that I'm a lot more sensitive than I thought I was, right? And as, and I've given myself space to actually explore what that means, right? So for me, when it comes to saying no, um, I think I heard Mariam Hasna say this once. She was just like, um, these days I just say no to say no so my body knows what it feels like when I say no to just practice that to let your nervous system normalize that saying no is okay that it's safe for you to say no and also made me think about another thing that my therapist said actually to me recently I think he said um, if you always say yes then your your no doesn't mean anything right and there's a lot of opportunity for self-discovery around those things. And for me specifically, what I've honed in on is like the performative aspect of me when I say yes. So why, what's the motivation? Why am I saying yes, you know? And, and the self-image that's attached to that, which is an interesting thing to explore. Hi, guys. So last time you heard that I had brought on a new host um, so we've been working with Richard Harris on building out some a new format for the show a new direction you know as I said we are having courageous conversations around mental health masculinity and how it works on a socio-emotional level um, really trying to unpack and unpick who we are I think that'll be very important for future conversations going forward. And that is coming. That is coming very soon. Um, but prior to that, I have a bunch of conversations that I recorded prior to any of this um, taking place or being manifested. And prior to the break that I took in January... But I had loads of conversations with uh, some amazing people. And while we are figuring out our new structure and direction, um, which will be here, I'm hoping by June, the latest, I've got a few episodes that I want to put out. Um, and think of these as like coffee side chats with people. Yeah, I think, you know, we tap into a lot of different topics and um, they're really casual um, and they do set the tone and the pace for how the conversations going forward um, are going to be and um, so yeah I'm looking forward to just putting a few of these episodes out just to kind of keep you guys listening to conversations that we ha that we are having and 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 the like um before I introduce this episode, I just want to say, make sure you go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, um, rate, review, um, and share the podcast. 
uh, that's very important. It just means that the more people um, that are seen to be engaging and listening, um, is you know, we can probably get a bit more popularity, um, be seen, and hopefully we can do bigger and better things going forward with the show. Um, so it's very important that when you can, you just, you know, just smash a, a rating and leave a review and a comment. Um, that would be very, very helpful to us. So my conversation this episode is with a good friend of mine called Ruthie. Ruthie Zerai is a professional life coach, content creator and digital expert. And we met uh, during the pandemic um, in the lockdown and we'll get into that um, soon in the show. And um, she is based in Sweden um she's of east african descent and we have a lot of conversations around boundaries and setting setting those energetic boundaries we even connected um based on the fact that she was reading a book called energetic boundaries and uh it was really really uh, a friendship that blossomed over a time and a period where there was a lot of uncertainty and nobody knew what was going on and we had to find our peace and find our way through digitally um, at the time. So a lot of this conversation is around making our yeses our yeses and our noes our noes, um, understanding boundaries. Um, I share a lot around my own experiences um, and how I got to this point and this place in life. Uh, Ruthie shares her experiences and yeah and it's a it's a fulfilling and uplifting and engaging conversation and it's just a nice one that you could just listen to you know with a cup of coffee next to you and you're just chatting chilling and laughing um make sure you check her out her website is ruthiezerai.com so that's r-u-t-h-i-e-z-e-r-a-i.com she leaves um, the information of where you can find her at the end of the show as well. And um, we talk about the books that we recommend at the end of the show too. So there's loads of stuff that is there. And I look forward to hearing what you think about it. So without further ado, this is the conversation with Ruthie Zurai and I. It's been a real, I think with 2020, I, so 2020, I wrote my book. It was all kind of, mm. it all worked out well in the end. Like I basically spent the year just writing and doing all that I needed to do and things of that nature. Um, and I, I was, I was busy, but it was just like, it was a huge change. And I think that. In that change, I found I was more introverted than I than I thought. I found, as you said, you know, introverted with a with an extroverted side that kind of comes out every so often. Um, 
I need to be in new different places. I need to be in different areas and stuff to learn more, to learn things um, about who we are and kind of the kind of people I want to be around and the kind of energies I want to be around and what I'm bringing to the room and things of that nature. So yeah, I, mm. um, I, I had to learn a lot of different stuff in, in that, in 2020 and I had to really learn. And, you know, it's interesting what you said about the nervous system because I, I've naturally, I felt my body do something different. Mm. It really just was like, oh, okay, you don't have to be outside on the tube, traveling across the X, Y, and Z and doing all of this stuff. You don't have to do all of that. And in order for me to really sit down and think about what I wanted to, I wanted next, it was nice to have those eight to nine months writing the book and really working on something. Yeah. And then obviously doing the podcasts and whatnot to really kind of connect with myself and say, look, what is it that you actually want? Who are you? What do you what do you like? Yeah. How do you exist in this moment? What yeah. are you bringing to this to the table? And in some ways, it was really important for me to do that. In other ways, it was a, I put a lot of pressure on myself for a lot of things like I'm always like okay so how am I contributing to this so you know in 2020 it was like you know George Floyd it was Black Lives Matter resurgence it was obviously yeah. you know the the raise the rise in suicide rates you know and then this year we've had loads of women being um abused like you know it's come to the fore the abuse from the police towards women and to people of color and to all of these different things and oppressed minorities working class children are being neglected all of this stuff the environment yeah all of this stuff I'm just like how am I contributing to any of this <laughs> literally I was like what am I doing yes yeah. I benefit from so many different things with regards to being in the west and you know and things like that nature but I'm like what am I contributing mm. to any of this stuff and then obviously yeah so I started training as a therapist and started doing all of that stuff um that's amazing and, yeah thank you it's just it's it's so intense but like it feels good it feels right to do. It feels right for me at this stage in life as well. So, but I still spent a lot of time in existential kind of yeah. questions about all of the things that I, that I wanted to do. And I think um, that's quite natural, right? Like, like we, we all had to accept a slower pace in general and all this space was created. I think most of us was like, for me, when you when you described 2020, I was thinking about the amount of lives that people were doing on Instagram. It was crazy. We were all just trying to fill that space, yeah. and I think it, I think it was genuinely also like you were mentioning George Floyd. That was a catalyst for a lot of us. Like I, I think I said to a friend, I was like, it's like our throat chakra just like opened, you know, and we were just like people were expressing and talking and just like. Oh, I'd say healing as well. A lot of racial trauma and a lot of stuff that needed to come out. And, but there was an overload of that. And then 2021, I think I feel like a lot of people were just recovering and tired, definitely myself as well. And I was like, oh, before I can be out there like that, I need to be in here with myself. So um, I definitely feel like a distinct kind of a different theme in between 2020 and, and, and like 2021 and like the in a general way, but also for myself in 2021, I was like, well, I, I am not responsible for, for, I mean, I, I definitely deeply connect with all these questions that you yeah. were, that you mentioned these social issues. But then I was like, I've got to start with myself. You know, you can't Absolutely. pour from an empty cup, but, but these two years have definitely been healing and they've like pushed me to 
heal further, actually, in so many ways and to bring up questions to the surface that I've pushed down for so long. And one of the things that I discovered as well is um, how much of an introvert I am, which for a lot of people will sound very odd because I have lived my life like as such an extrovert such an social extrovert and then that is me yeah you start unpacking that and you're like how much of that is me how much of that is performative how much of that is conditioning how much of that is like you know survival behavior and yeah i'd say for me in general these last two years have just given me an opportunity to get to know the true me and like she's she's quite different than what i thought absolutely i think that people are kind of finding it hard they're finding me hard I feel like I feel that because I am saying no a lot more mm. than what I used to yeah what I used to do I used to be like yo you know what you only live once go out mm. and da, 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 da. but then mm. also and which I still hold true and I still hold value then I'm also, I'm also like yeah you only live once but how am I but am I listening to myself in any of this you know Mm. am I feeling like how am I discerning between whether this is anxiety or just straight up intuition and discernment such a deep question yeah you know because you have to look like sometimes I think people are like I sit down and I think to myself am I just anxious about going somewhere or Mm. is it literally or do I just not feel good about a particular thing and I think the more I've sat down and really listened to myself and said you know whoo okay, this is anxiety. All right, let's override some stuff and, yeah. and, and make our way. Um, versus I don't feel good about that. I'm not doing that. Or I feel guilty or I should and, you know, obligation yeah. kicks in. And, like, and I connect that back to the nervous system as well because I think we both kind of connect to like this like idea of like high sensitivity that's also something that I've explored in myself that I'm a lot more sensitive than I thought I was right and as and I've given myself space to actually explore what that means right so for me when it comes to saying no um I think I heard Mariam Hasna say this once Mm -hmm. she was just like um these days I just say no to say no so my body knows what it feels like when I say no. So just practice that, to let your nervous system normalize that like saying no is okay, that it's safe for you to say no. And also made me think about another thing that my therapist said actually to me recently. I think he said, um, if you always say yes, then your, your no doesn't mean anything. Right. Right? Um, and there's a lot of opportunity for self-discovery around those things. And for me specifically, what I've honed in on is like, the performative aspect of me when I say yes. Yeah. Yeah. So why, what's the motivation? Why am I saying yes? You know, mm-hmm. and, and the self image that's attached to that, Yeah, which is an interesting thing to explore. It, it is an interesting thing. Ruthie, I watched a TikTok video by, oh, I think, I, I think she's called the empathic coach. Okay. And I saw this video and basically she just says this thing right that really dragged me and she basically said if you're an empath you're probably a people pleaser Mm. if you're a people pleaser you're probably a perfectionist if Mm. you're a perfectionist you're probably a procrastinator if you're a procrastinator you probably experience self-sabotage and if you experience self-sabotage you probably have a fear of rejection you have a fear of your feelings not um, have been rejected um your needs have been rejected and you then believe that your needs and feelings don't matter 
but other people's do. So I did a Mariah Carey wall slide. <laughs> I, did a, I did a Mariah Carey wall slide where I clutched my heart. <laughs> because it's so, I think that was one of the clearest, that was one of the clearest definitions of boundary setting yeah. I ever encountered just on a 30 second TikTok video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a TikTok video, there was no like aftercare. It's just TikTok. And I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> like, where do I find the inner peace? And yeah. um, what do you think to that before we go further? Um, I relate to to all of those like steps or let's call it like an arc, right? And I'm in therapy currently myself mm. and specifically in psychodynamic therapy because I think that's what's worked the best for me. Okay. And in psychodynamic therapy, um, a lot of the focus is on understanding your entire storyline, like the Genesis story, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, in the way that you described like all these different you know, elements of, that make it hard for us to set boundaries, it goes back all the way to an individual's Genesis story, where you, you know, your attachment story. So where did you first learn that your emotions or that your needs are not valid? Or where did, where did your fear of rejection first start? And currently I'm obsessed, and here's another book for you. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the work of Dr. Gabor Mate. Yes. And I um, was in a live class with him recently where he talked about that a a lot of um, these issues that manifest as like, you know, fear of setting boundaries in adult age, that they stem from attachment issues and we can pick them up at like toddler infant age. So pre-verbal. You can only imagine, right, if your mother is experiencing stress or like he his example is that, you know, his mother was um, he, he was raised during the Nazi times and his mother was taken away from him to Holocaust, concentration yeah. camps and Holocaust and all this stuff. So he internalized she had to leave him for a couple of weeks. So he internalized like this, like sense of rejection as a two month old baby. I'm a daughter of immigrants who fled war. Right. Yeah a lot of stuff that was going on when I, when I was being brought into the world. We absorb these things from a very young age. So I think what you just described through like that TikTok video, it is so important to bring everything back to the origin of our individual Genesis stories because that helps us like understand and also creates more compassion because it's hard to just change something on the surface and be like, oh, I can't say no. It's so hard for me to set boundaries, but why? And ask yourself, like, what does, where does this come from? I think I, for me, it's been revolutionary actually to put it in that perspective. And honestly, I think that for uh, people of color, children of immigrants, you know, the, like the, our identity stories, our genesis stories, they're really, really important. And if you want to add more layers to it, like what's the generational story there, whether it's slavery or colonialism or war, you know, um, there's a lot to, to unpack. So it's not just us as individuals. We're not just failing here and now to set boundaries. So take the pressure off yourself and try to understand, like, how did you get here? What made you feel unsafe? At a very young age, what, what yeah. made what made what made it unsafe for you to feel like you can't be yourself? Yeah, because that's really what it's about for me. Yeah, 
it for sure. And I think that, um, especially as <clears throat> black people, um, just, you know, because that's, that's the context from which yeah. I speak generally. Yeah. And um, that is something, you know, generationally. And I think that's, I think it happens, everybody's got their generational stories, right? Because yeah. it just happens. It's, it's just the nature of the way things are. I don't think any generation has been perfect. Um, I think there are people who experience things on a varying level from yeah. time to time. And um, I was really kind of taken aback by that video because I started to think about, obviously in my own context, just me personally, but I started to look at like the people in my family, the people mm-hmm. in my friendship, and just kind of where they get it from. Mm. And then I started to think, okay, so where did they, where they get it from? Where did the people before them get that from in order for them to feel this way? And then it's just yeah. this whole kind of this idea, who are we pleasing? Why are we pleasing people? Why do we sabotage ourselves? Why mm. are we trying to make things perfect? Why are we trying to hold on to this idea and this thing? And I think on a wider level, on a black level, I guess, yeah. you know, we have to present as yeah. perfect in order for us to survive because we know when you and I think it speaks to the Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin conversation Mm. about the lie to me lie to me you know you go outside and you experience life as a black man as a black woman as a whatever and you are presenting yourself to the world in a particular way you are lying you are literally not living truthfully as a black person because to live truthfully as a black person you need to actually experience a level of acceptance and freedom from and safety and safety and safety yeah Yeah. you need to experience that but you can't express any of that so you then smile suck it up let it all thing we don't and then you come home and then it's that whole idea of what stays in the family stays in the house stays in the family stays behind it when you're in this house without you don't want anybody knowing our business right we have to look presented and clean and did it because we don't want anybody to say that we are x y and z and we have to yeah. do all of this stuff and then that just brings us all the way <laughs> down through to now 2021 when you've got kids who are you know you've got people like monique saying people why are you guys going out in a bonnet <laughs> and all this stuff oh and, wow you know she said she said that she's like you know she's like you know black women like why are you outside why are you in the airport in a bonnet and da 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 and it's just like I understand what she's trying to say, but you also have to start looking at the wider aspect of these things. If you don't look at the wider aspect, then you're not going to necessarily understand. We want to be comfortable. We want to be comfortable. Yeah. What is what is true liberation look like, right? That's being self-expressed. That's being right. me. That's knowing how to say no to others and saying yes to myself. That's not worrying about the white gaze. That's like, you know, t- totally being in your own experience. And I think that is a luxury that many previous because I also come from the I am of Eritrean origin but I, I speak from the black experience because that's like a it's a political choice of mine right that's how I move in the world I'm a black woman and I think that's a luxury that previous generations n- never had they never had that luxury to explore what does it mean to be truly free because they were either like working to save up and raise families or support like liberation wars back home or whatever it was. Right. And I think for us, it's like, a, it's, it's really interesting and curious. Um, yeah. And a luxury for us to be able to explore what is, 
what can life look like if I'm not worrying about how other people are perceiving me and specifically in the context of white supremacy, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that for people like Monique, that could just be mind-blowing in itself or just scary or like unfathomable, right? Like, what are you talking about? But it's real. Like for me, um, I happen to work as a life coach, but really as a life and a business coach, but really I'm on a, I've realized lately that I'm on a journey of liberation, like true deep liberation from the inside out. And it's a daily exploration. I'm not sure what that means, but it means that like, I want to unshackle from everything and, and get to get to meet the real me, Mm. you know? Yeah. That's definitely, definitely the phase of, of life right now. I think everybody's trying to understand their story to the best possible degree yeah um and i think that's kind of what this time has been has given us because when i look at it and i look at things on a cosmic level and i think to myself okay so the whole world is going through this like literally everybody's going through pandemic is now in everybody's vocabulary it's everywhere covid everything vaccination all of this stuff is just in everybody's vocabulary now Mm -hmm. and um while there are some areas and some communities that have the privilege to, of time to sit down and reflect and to do this, you know, um, there are some people who 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 don't have that privilege. But also, it's about kind of it is about wider understanding of who we are in this as well. You know, you look at it and you think to yourself, okay, what can I change? What needs to change? What needs to change with me? Where's mm. the you know everybody's looking at everything in completely different assets now work what does work look like what does family look like what does relationships look like what does you know with the global question look like what does politics everybody's having all these questions and stuff and I don't think anybody's ready for it so everybody's getting overwhelmed and the whole thing is like kind of like "Ah, I don't know and everyone's trying to answer straight away but everyone because everyone's so used to quick answers and I think that with this we have to take our time Hmm. and I think that Everybody wants a. Uh, everyone's like, okay, so I know in the UK, on a wider level, when we talk about the economy and we talk about social issues and things like that, everybody's looking for a quick answer. Everybody's saying you have to act now because obviously politicians are working alongside what they can do to to maintain their election. Yeah. Um, but they don't. They're not thinking long term in that. What's best for everybody hmm. in the long term? How do yeah. we? How do students? process through this that all the time they've lost how do children navigate the social issues of all the time they've lost how do parents deal with that how do the elderly deal with that how do jobs deal with the changing of kind of you know working patterns um and then that kind of channels down to us on an individual level about how we deal with all that stuff and i think that that's something that, that we're not kind of taking into consideration um at the minute too um the next thing the the next thing because i always my my story my story does start with breakdown with breakdown and it starts with burnout and then you got this interesting kind of um understanding of burnout as high functioning yeah and i want you to kind of speak a bit more on that i've i understand high functioning anxiety which is kind of where I'm at. 
with most of my stuff. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm processing, I'm processing, I'm processing, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going because I'm anxious that if I stop, it's going to all crash around me. And then there's high functioning mm-hmm. depression where, you know, you're kind of, you are aware that the future is looming. You can articulate all of the things that you need to articulate, but you yeah. are just depressed <laughs> to the yeah. point of numbness and things of that nature. So I understand those two aspects of it. Where do you come from when you come from the perspective of high functioning burnout? And mm. how does that look for you? Thank you for, for sharing that. I also think that there's like an intergenerational level to high functioning depression and anxiety amongst us as black people, just to add to that. But um, where do I come from? I come from the most powerful and authentic space that I can speak from, which is my experience, you know, my story. And I experienced burnout. It was around around this time in 2015, so was that six, seven years ago. And I was living in London at the time, working in London. I was in like the height of my media career. Like Long story short, I was at the height of my career, worked really hard. Like I moved to London to get my master's, did that at King's, um, you know, performing, achieving, got my first job in media, got all these promotions, but I just wasn't feeling well. And I remember it was around October time in 2015. And I was like, I just don't feel like myself. And then it continued. November ticked on, December ticked on. And the high functioning aspect of that was that I now understand and actually you know, it took me six months to get out of that funk, but I was burnt out. So for the people who know me, I'm a very, um, I love life. Like I have a lot of energy. I get excited about my morning coffee. I get excited about all the small details in life. Um, but I just, all of that was lost. And I felt like a lot, a sense of hopelessness, complete and sheer exhaustion. I was pulling away from people didn't feel like there was any more purpose to living, like these classic burnout symptoms. And that to bringing the high functioning aspect of that was that I was still going to work throughout this period. So I went to work and I performed, you know, that's high functioning, right? And I was living in Old Street at the time and I was working out in Chiswick Business Park. So I'd get on the tube, three different lines for an hour each way. And then I would just go home and I would crash on the sofa. I would just literally just like wrap myself in a blanket and I would just like stare into the wall. And I did that for about four to five months, right? And in that time, I didn't have the knowledge. So I didn't know that, like I knew what anxiety was, but I was like, but I don't have anxiety. Like people like me don't have, that's a luxury. You know, I have had so many opportunities, like, no, like I couldn't put those labels on myself, like depressed, none of that. So I just like kept going, but I pulled away from people as much as I could. So it's kind of isolated, you know, I didn't talk to anybody about how I was feeling. Like I'd call my mom every once in a while um, just to keep things floating, but I was really not in a great space. And I asked myself, I was like, how come I was able to go to work then? Well, that's because of, you know, work ethics ingrained in me from my culture and my family, being um, disconnected with myself, with my feelings, but also with my body. 
like not actually having a relationship with my body, understanding my nervous system, not being connected to my emotions. So it created this like split, split sense, like a duality where I was like, I feel terrible, but I can also go to work and just like tick things off the list, smile a little bit, and then go back to my cave and hide. So that's what I mean with, with the high functioning aspect, because when I talk to a lot of people about burnout, mm. um, we seem to have this idea that burnout means that you've crashed, you've hit the wall, you can't get out of bed, that that's the only version of burnout that exists. And I actually yeah. think that for a lot of people that live outside of the norms, you know, the norms that white supremacy dictates, I think a lot of us live and exist in different states of burnout but we just don't have the luxury actually maybe to admit them or we might live in different states of like depression or anxiety like you mentioned but we just uh, might not have the tools or you know it might feel scary to admit those things so I genuinely feel that a lot a lot of people out there specifically from our communities um, are dealing with like serious levels of burnout but they're still able to function. So therefore they, they don't think that they're burnt out. Right. Mm. And I think for me, absolutely. And I, that's what I did actually. Once I came out of that six month period, like I started reading, I got really interested in, in like mental health and I was like, Oh, I self-diagnosed myself, but I was like, Oh, that was anxiety. That was depression. That was burnout. And I started to unpack a lot of the shame around it, you know, as well for myself and understanding. I was like, Oh, I had, you know, suicidal ideations. I had, um, and that's really important to speak of. And it also makes me feel kind of gross in my body when I say it, but it's important. And I always say it when I'm like speaking to our communities because we need to normalize it. Right. You know, there's nothing, I, I was never really close to like taking action on like my suicidal ideations, but I had them and I want to normalize that. Right. That's kind of what I was feeling in that space. But I got out of it, like educated myself and then sought professional help and then started seeing therapists and coaches that just kind of helped me further break down like the shame aspect of it. Right. I have a huge family in London, in Sweden, all over the world. How come I didn't tell one person because I was ashamed? Right. And it highlighted also for me specifically, I come from a lineage of farmers, people who are like, you work and then you eat. And like what you eat, it's directly correlated to how much work you put in, right? That's the lineage of people that I come from. It really highlighted my relationship with toxic resilience. Ooh. Say more. I need to take a deep more. breath. <sighs> While you take your breath, right? Let me just enter up into this space. Please. <laughs> Because I have a problem with resilience, right? Mm. Um, there was a point where I was very much like a resilience coach. Yay, everybody needs to kind of resist. And, da, 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 da. and then I sat down with myself and I'm just yeah. like, Alex, hold on a minute. Mm. What are we resiliencing? <laughs> okay. Um, when it comes to resilience, I, I personally, I put this on LinkedIn the other day, actually, a few weeks mm. back. And I was like, I personally have no use for resilience in the way that we're using it. So I'm interested to understand what toxic resilience is and what we kind of um, can use like in, to replace it or to shift the, the perspective on it. But um, I was like, I have no use for resilience because I feel like when you're resilient, you're, it still feels like you're fighting within yeah. something that doesn't help. It's mm. like you then become this superhero inside, inside a system that is already broken. And you're like, well, yeah. change the system. 
and then everything kind of like would 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 work, you know, because you yeah. t- you become tired of being resilient. Like just a quick story before you, before you get on. Mm. Um, when I was working in the newspaper that I was in, um, I was very much like I was com- I was complaining to my cousin, and he was basically like. You're going to get to a stage where you're either pushing against the door consistently or you're letting the door fall mm. on you, mm. sort of thing. And you sort of decide which one you're mm. doing, you know? Mm. And I was like, and I was pushing, pushing against the door. I said, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep pushing. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And because when the door falls on you, that, that, that is assimilation. That is, I'm molding myself into this company's, yeah ideas ideologies their kind of understanding of what it means to be a reporter a journalist and all that stuff but i'm pushing against this like i have my own ideas of who that is what that is why that is so i kept pushing and pushing and pushing and to the point of burnout breakdown anxiety stress um immuno problems that come Mm -hmm. up with my stress and all that stuff and i had to leave so me trying to be resilient inside a system that wasn't even catering to me doesn't necessarily work for me. When we look at it on a wider thing, a woman in a patriarchal society has to to be resilient, could break her. Yeah. A black person in a white supremacist society could break them. You know, yeah. um, heteronormative society for a queer person them being resilient could break them. So when I look at resilience, I'm like, I have no use for that. Resilience for what, right? Like that's kind of like, I was like, I don't want to be resilient. I want to be, I am, I want to be, right? And that's revolutionary in the context of like our collective histories as black people to just like afford ourselves, afford ourselves the luxury to just be, right? And I don't know. I think there's like interconnectedness if we think about different elements that makes us who we are maybe resilience plays a role in certain situations I just feel like I've been resilient enough for several lifetimes like I I don't need to focus on resilience anymore and actually it's probably helped I know in my direct lineage has helped my ancestors you know survive war and like immigration and refugees all of these situations that they've put themselves in but at some point when it gets too heavy, too heavy, we've got to learn to like put things down and understand the context that I'm in right now is resilience really the way that like I, I carry myself. No, like it's safe now. I can allow myself to be. And, you know, after my burnout, I quit my job and I took a whole year off. I call it like um, I took an adult gap year. And I had to do a lot of thinking around that as well, because I came up against this idea of resilience, but I was like, I, and, but there's something inside of me that was just like, I just want to rest. I just want to be, I don't know how to do that, but I've got to like do something for myself. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's where their journey started, where I started challenging also my own self image, which I think is really important for us, right. To challenge our self image and like, you know, because I saw myself as a very strong person and I should be able to handle this and cope and all these things. But the reality for me now is the self-image that I had, it was really mine. And what I'm doing right now is like building up my own self-image. Who do I want to be, right? And 
I can go into my toolbox and pick up resilience when I need it, but that doesn't need to be like the one thing that I use like all the time, you know, just kind of like my standard way of operating. No, I want to be able to be soft and weak and receiving and I just want to be, I think for, for, for black people specifically, I think there's a lot in learning just in just being right and creating our lives from that space and not having to do or hold things together all the time or posture or show up or protect in a certain way you know so um, I'm still in the process of figuring that out but I'm very conscious about not carrying resilience as a badge of honor anymore yeah as Brene Brown said it's the strong back soft front kind of yep. thing Yep. Um, understanding what that looks like is is super important, and you're right. You're absolutely right. It's like when we, I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't see how anybody comes out of that intact. I don't see how anybody comes out of that intact. The way I came out of work, I felt like I was a, you know, like I was like a a dinged car, you know, yeah. like like consistently just battered and bruised and there was like dents in me and all this different stuff scraped up wheels like just wasn't taken care of there was no MOT nothing it was just a problem and I think that that's something that you know that we that we need to kind of do better at and and do better with and look and look look around ourselves and think about how we are actually how we are causing harm in these ways to ourselves yeah specifically but then how these systems are kind of engaging us to do that yeah what do you think no i agree i was just going to ask you like kind of because i think that's so interesting what you're saying because we keep taking a beating right like as like black people in these spaces mainly white spaces that we move in right and it's like hit over hit in different ways just recently i was in like the most central part of town browsing in a store and I was accused of stealing something like just like you know you should just never get away from these like you know the micro macro aggressions all this stuff but for you I was just wondering what made you realize that something had to shift because for me I think for us to be able to for us to be able to shift out of these things it requires a degree of presence with ourselves Mm. and a level of intimacy with ourselves so how how did you understand that that was that you needed to like not be in that environment? Um, I for me, I'm a, I'm somebody who I was very disconnected mm-hmm. from me, and I didn't. I I have a strong internal monologue, an internal compass. Um, a very strong idea of who I am mm. and um, a very strong intuition. And I felt, and I kept suppressing that. I kept saying, no, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to just go full stream ahead. I want to be that person. That's who I have to be. That's what I have to do. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do. And the more and more I suppress my own internal world and my internal compass and my intuition, the more it came up, very like very, very you know disobediently like yeah. like I just didn't. so I think it was just 
watching myself cry, mm-hmm. like literally looking at myself in a mirror and crying mm-hmm. and then looking at my face and just thinking, I don't want to be here. This is mm-hmm. not what it is. This is, this is, I felt so fragmented. I didn't, I wanted to put myself back together. Mm-hmm. Waking up like in a fit of tears, like literally, yeah. like I, I, I have strong dreams, very strong dreamscapes. And um, there are days where I would be, I, I've laughed myself out of a dream because wow. it's so funny or something, or I've cried myself out of a dream because it's been so intense, or mm. I've jumped out of a dream because I've frightened myself in the dream, wow. in the dream space. And I've literally, and for me, I think when it, when when a majority of that time, in, in that period of time was me jolting myself out of my subconscious and crying. Mm. So it was like I was a con- it was like a continual into the conscious realm, just of like the crying in the subconscious and outwards into the into the conscious realm of just tears and like belly over, like stomach aching tears, like really kind of the depth of that. And I was just like, something is not right. I'm not. I'm doing. I'm not doing my body the correct service that it needs. It mm-hmm. doesn't need this all of your nervous energy is kind of wrangled <laughs> and it's just scrambled and you're all over the shop. Um, so I sat with it. But then I had, as I said, I had the conversation with my cousin about the door and pushing mm-hmm. it. Um, I had all of these conversations and this understanding about what it means to kind of be free. I said, like, as, you, as you said, that like, like liberation, as you talk about, as I talk about in, like, in the stuff that I do as well, just the, that freedom, mm. that understanding. Um, and that's what kind of told me. I was like, I have to, I have to, I have to go. Yeah. And as soon as I started to make the changes to go, obviously, environments began to resist that. Mm. I had I had people at work tell me I need to man up, I need to strengthen up, I need to do this, mm-hmm. I need to have a bit more of a backbone. I've had people at work tell me that I wasn't ready to leave, that I'm not um, I'm not quite there yet, I'm not X, Y, and Z. I've had people tell me that I need to find this kind of this. Find this. I had people telling me everything that I, uh, kind of amplifying all the things that I wasn't. And I was just like, I can only rely on myself to uh, literally tell me all the things that I am yeah. and all the things that I am could not fit in this environment so I had to go that's and so powerful be, yeah, yeah. And I had to be confident in the fact that I was going I had to trust myself as much as I really struggle with the self-trust piece I had to, I had to really trust myself mm. and I just went and January 2019 I sat on the steps as everybody in my house went out to work and I was like I don't know what I'm doing now but I need to find out here we are are. yeah and here we are which is it's amazing and I think it's like more people need to hear your testimony because it is really powerful and it's something that really um because it in coaching, if you talk about the distinction between therapy and coaching therapy, I'd say, um, in my experience, is a lot about healing your past. Coaching is about building your future, right? So we talk a lot, a lot about like personal responsibility, radical responsibility, right? And I think that's such a great example example of like, you know, um, just you stepping into your own power um, around 
where you want to be, where, you know, who you want to give you access to your energy, where you also want to distribute your energy. And I think a parallel between our stories, which is really, really important, is that whatever you're suppressing, the body will manifest. And it was the same thing for me, right? For you, it was like, and I think that connection between the subconscious moving through like your dreams into the conscious space, like, could you get a clearer sign than that, right? And for me, it was like, subsequently, my body's just started to shut down because I did not want to feel. I did not want to connect with my emotions. I was disassociated with my body. I didn't know how to be with myself. I didn't know who I was outside of constantly pleasing others, being hypervigilant, feeling over-responsible. And I built my identity really around pleasing others and getting rewarded for it, right? And I was like, oh, I'm this good girl and people like me this way. But what I didn't want to understand about myself, my body made me understand. So whatever we suppress, the body will manifest. And if we're lucky, like we were, you know, you'll get subtle hints before it gets, but I, I know people who are, you know, dealing with severe illnesses because of suppressed anger, suppressed emotions, suppressed needs. It's a serious stuff. And actually, it's in that book by Dr. Gabor Mate, When the Body Says No, I've been reading through it, and it's really kind of made me recommit to my own healing journey, because I was like, oh, like, here are clear examples of where people are getting MS you know, an attack on your nervous system, cancer, all because of suppressed emotions, needs, anger. So whatever we're not willing to deal with, your body will keep the score. So the sooner we can get into relationship with ourselves, however we do it, whether the entry point is through mental health or physical health or talking about our feelings in therapy or receiving coaching or, I don't know, just spending time in nature, there are several modalities However, it's like, I see it as like, it's like my purpose now to take good care of myself. My purpose is not to be a life coach. It's not my career. It's not any of this. It's like to really get into a deeper relationship with myself and take care of myself. That is what I'm here to do. And everything else is just going to have to come after. Mm. Yeah. For sure. I think that's a really interesting place to kind of rest this mm. convo because I feel like I think that's I'm not going to put the world to rights at this point but I do think that you touched on some really salient points there and when we start thinking about life purpose and callings and things like that a lot of people I think are so kind of used to understanding that in the context of how that serves other people whereas a lot of the time your purpose may include serving other people but it also I feel like that kind of doesn't do the work if you aren't going further in some sort of inner inquiry as to why you're doing it because the thing is, sorry, because the thing is, I was very much like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this for so many people. I'm putting myself out there. I'm really doing that stuff. But there's a process of wanting to control the way other people then see what you're doing. And you then start to get, the, it's, the, it's what we feed back to the empath, the empath, the pleaser, the perfectionist. You start to then say, 
oh, I'm doing this for you. Why can't you see that I'm doing this for you? Or why can't you see that I'm helping you? Blah, blah, blah. And if they don't respond in the way that you want them to respond, you then start to kind of... Internalize that. Internalize that. Because then you're like, oh my God, it's like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Oh my yeah. like, da, da, da. If there's no internal inquiry as to why you're doing the stuff you're doing, then you're not gonna it's not gonna really kind of give you the results that you that you want and the results that we want aren't always the ones that we want but they're the ones we need sometimes you know i think you're you're i think you're absolutely spot on and it's like why are we helping why is helping such a um you know are we so self-identified with helping are we truly helping others if we haven't learned how to help ourselves um where have we internalized the idea that everybody needs help, right? Um, something that's really helped me is to understand that we all, we're all here and we have different life purposes and life paths and that we all have individual capacity to help ourselves. That doesn't mean that we can't and shouldn't do community work, but really that honoring that each individual has capacity to help themselves, right? But... Um, if we're helping others and we're not helping ourselves and taking care of ourselves, essentially we're rejecting ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it becomes really hard to live a life from the inside out, which is really what I coach about, what I'm passionate about, like really finding your way back to yourself. If you are rejecting your own needs, you know, on and on the surface we're saying, but I'm helping others and I'm being there for others. But is, is that really authentic if we don't know how to help ourselves, right? as well you were like <laughs> I, took, I took i took a sip of my ginger tea <laughs> you're like okay yeah um ruthie it's always been a pleasure to speak to you always thank um, you Alex. where can people find you and like what are you doing next what are you doing mm, so people can find me my website is ruthiezi.com on instagram i'm at i kind of everywhere really i'm sure you'll include it in your show notes i have an email list that people can sign up to um i co-host a mental health podcast called very well-being podcast i can send you that link too um what am I up to next? I'm going to take a long break over the holidays. We'll see if we'll be able to travel because of what's going on in the world. But I'm definitely up for a long break. And what I'm doing next is doing less, for sure. That's a big theme for me next year, is to, is to do less and to further detoxify from my toxic resilience and hyper-productivity and... I just want to start create, creating from a place of like fun and ease and take the performance out of it, which is, it's not always easy, but I'm committed to that. Mm. To just like more levity, more ease, more fun, more flow. That's mm. kind of the theme for next year. And we'll see. It's hard to plan anything in this like, you know, in this life. <laughs> and in this current macro environment, but that's mm. kind of what I'm feeling into. I want more space, more ease, more fun, levity. Yeah. I want that. I want that. <laughs> we're exploring. And I think we're doing that. You know, that's something that we have to get better at to admit mm. that we're just by being conscious about it. That's like, we're on our way and we're exploring mm. it. For sure. Um, so do you have two books that you want to suggest to the people them? 
you know I do. <laughs> we share we share we share the same problem with like book addiction. But yeah. um I had to give so many away recently because I've I had to give them to libraries because there's just a lot. Yeah, I'm yeah. planning to do a, some type of giveaway too, actually, to just kind of create space for new books to come in as well. But um yeah. I'd say like um Two books, actually. One book that I've been recommending a lot this year and I've been gifting to a lot of my um, coaching clients is Set Boundaries, Find Peace by Nedra Tawab, which is, I think is a kind of like a great book on just like setting boundaries. So get that one um, if, if you want to explore that. And the second one is um, a classic, Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, which I think is great for just like on seeing yourself from the outside i i got his like card deck recently as well i think it's great for people who are dealing with like overthinking perhaps or card deck yeah it's called the untethered soul card deck i can see it just like right in front of me actually Mm -hmm. and it's like uh, great if you're dealing with like overthinking anxiety wanting to explore spirituality your connection with yourself on a deeper level and it's very easy um I think to take in his wisdom. So those those are two books that I consider gifts, actually. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, I've got that. I'm literally looking at the book now on my shelf, and um, yes, Excellent. I need to. I, I need to get into. It. I read. I read his other book. I forgot what it's called. Mm, I um, think uh, I forgot the title, but yeah, I think. Oh I yeah. The, no, I read the Untethered Soul. Mm. <laughs> I read the Untethered Soul. I've got the Surrender Experiment as yes, well. Yes. Yes. Um, I read the Untethered soul and i think he does is it him that does no no no. basically neil donald walsh who wrote conversations with god he does a weekly clubhouse like gathering where he's just talking (laughs) and then people are just coming to talk to him about stuff and i found that really interesting um thing to do but yes so untethered soul um amazing and i'm gonna look into those cards i'm i'm all about things like this they're just great tools you know what i what i do sometimes i just pick up a card and then it becomes like an intention for the week or it just gives me like a thought starter it brings me back into presence and they're little thought starters and excerpts from the book but i truly love that book just because it's written in such a simple way so you can just like take it in and it's it's available and accessible for everybody i think for sure for sure this has been so much fun yeah yeah, thank you so much for joining me and taking the time out. What's it, what time is it over there? Um, we're just an hour ahead of you guys, so it's oh, like okay. one something. Thank you. And I also, can I can I add one more thing? Sure. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed the two podcast episodes um, dedicated to Movember, I think, on male oh. mental health that you did with Ryan and... Nathaniel and Richard yeah and like I've sent that episode to so many people my brother and like I've I've just enjoyed laughed cried like resonated related like such powerful conversations so I really um appreciate you for all the work that you do I appreciate your friendship and thank you for having me you too and likewise and of course and you know I do and I've been saying this I do need to get to Sweden 
at some point. I need, to, I need, I need, I needed a reason, and I have one. It's just now battling the international <laughs> politics of trying to get there. Hashtag Omicron variant. <laughs> uh, Omicron really came in and said, so... You need to <laughs> sit at, down. Like, we're at the family cookout. We're at the COVID family cookout. Not now. But yeah, but whenever you do come, you know, we'll make it happen and we'll hang out. I can't for wait. Sure. For sure. Thanks, Ruthie. Thank right. you so much.